3: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke F Daily with me, your girl Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, happy Memorial Day. I hope that you have the day off. I hope that you are doing something outdoors. If the sun is shining where you are today. Coming up, my conversation, my weekly conversation with our friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. And, you know, Jonathan and I get into a conversation on tactics and what tactics we think that Democrats should be imploring as Republicans continue to run gangbusters uh, with their anti-LGBTQ, anti-Black, anti-people of color, anti-women, anti-abortion, uh, anti-democracy uh, slate uh, of policies and bills that they are just drowning, drowning the country in. And, you know, recently we've talked about on this show um, And I've talked about on others about the NAACP's call uh, for for a travel advisory, HRC's call for a travel advisory, and other people to Florida. And we, you know, I've had conversations on this show, I have called for a national boycott. I think that if you want to see real change in this country... Um, It looks like shutting down capitalism. It looks like shutting this country down, grinding it to a halt and not in the way that the Republicans are trying to do with the debt ceiling. Who knows? By the time that this airs, maybe they will have concocted a deal. Um, You know, again, I won't hold my breath because I don't want to pass out. But The reality is that money talks and bullshit walks. And I believe that boycotts work. I believe it's why Martin Luther King called for a boycott of the state of Alabama back in 1965. I believe that a call for a boycott nationally, though, however, will do a lot more damage, like a walkout and be like, so we're done. Right. Until this country returns to its democratic values. And look, I am very well aware that America is flawed as fuck. But what we have seen transpired over the last seven to eight years under the MAGA regime is absolutely abhorrent. Like it is things that we have never seen in our lifetime and have only read about in history books that are now fucking banned in states around this country. And so When we look at this and we realize that at this time, this critical time in our body politic, that the people still have a voice, still have a voice, we have got to utilize it to the best of our ability. We have got to take the action, right? The drastic actions. And look, I'm not saying that boycotts are easy. I'm not saying that it will be a a magical you know, switching on of the lights and then all will be well in this sea of darkness that we seem to be swimming in. But what I am seeing, what I am saying is that people need to recognize their power, right? No one is trying to take away your vote if it didn't matter, right? Nobody is trying to ban books if education is not power, right? Nobody is trying to shut down trans people and non-binary people if living in your truth isn't powerful, Right and doesn't encourage other people to do the same and drop the fucking charades and lies right? that they have been leading their entire lives. You see, trans people represent power in this country, the power to live in your truth, to stand in that truth, and to buck systems and conventions that tell you that you don't know who you are, but that they know who you are, right? That you need to just fall in line, right? Otherwise, you will stand to be erased. And so what I recognize is that the experience that we're having right now at the hands of these right wing fascists, white supremacists, is their fear. And they lash out with their fear. And it is hateful legislation left and right, front and back. And the way to stop it from happening is to stop it from happening. Right. Not to pretend that because right now you live inside of a blue state that we're like, oh, we're good. Right. Like, oh, California will always be blue or New York will always be blue. No, it's not. Because I in the last uh, election for governor here, all of a sudden. Kathy Hochul is going and running campaign speeches in places like the Bronx where they haven't seen a governor, I don't think ever, because Lee Zeldin came that fucking close. Right. She's still won by double digits, but it should have been a much larger margin than it was. So understand that the tactics that are being used are same, same, but a little different. Right. Where they're not just coming for blue states, but they're coming for blue cities and dif- disenfranchising them in the way that they have done in Nashville, in the way that they've done in Memphis right? And giving all power to rural areas. And what are rural areas largely full of? White people, right? Racist white people, not just any type of white people. So I think that it's really important for us to think about the tactics of boycotts and whether it's time to really employ them in a way that is nationalized, as a way to fight back against the unrelenting anti-democratic forces at play in the Republican cultish party. So coming up next, my conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to sit down with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, I am always thrilled and pleased. And Jonathan, I want to start off today's conversation with what the NAACP has issued um, over the last couple of days, which is a warning. To black travelers, it is a warning to anyone that is from a marginalized community, namely LGBTQ people uh, and black people, that Florida is a dangerous place for you to be traveling to, Um, that you need to be aware of the rules and your rights uh, before you travel to this state. Now, in response to that, you had the likes of Ted Cruz say that Martin Luther King would be you know, disappointed with who the NAACP is. And then funny enough, um, you had academic historians bring receipts uh, that offered that Martin Luther King called for a similar warning or ban of Alabama in 1965 because of its rise in white domestic terrorism. So I want to get your first your reactions to what is very much a symbolic move, but is one that hasn't taken place uh, in the 21st century?
4: Well, it it it's interesting. It follows up on the conversation that you and I had last week, actually, which is um, there's so much violence happening right now on every level, physical violence, emotional violence, racial violence. And the question is, what's the response to it? And our conversation last week, for people who didn't catch it, it's like, do you boycott and step right. back or mm-hmm. do you step forward? And what's the mm-hmm. value of a boycott? And what we talked about last week, I, I'll just repeat what I said, which is that my concern is that um, we end up boycotting too much and the boycotts are too diffuse and they don't have the impact that they, that they may have had. And so I, I'm, before we get to Florida, I just want to say that I still think that's the question. Like, um, Like, do you quit Twitter? Or do you step forward and have everybody, you know, go on Twitter and try to drown out the other voices, which is hard. Um, But, but I, I guess the issue is, and and we talked about this last week, is it better to be present and fighting back Mm. um, or is it to be to be stepping back and saying whatever. And I, my concern from a financial perspective, and I think Twitter's a good example, that boycotts in this social media age don't just don't, if if there are too many of them happening, um, they don't have the effect. Uh, and sometimes the impulse to step back should be balanced against an impulse to step forward. I mean, what if every liberal person today got a blue check on Twitter and started blasting tweets again and stuff like that, like started flooding the zone? Um, you know, it's, it's a strategy, you know, do, do we, do we just go somewhere else or do we step forward? And, and, and both are, both are forms of resistance, both are forms of fighting. But my concern again is that there's, that, that you end up in a position where it's, it's easy to counter and you're just limiting your voice. And I've seen this in many instances. I mean, we could debate other place boycotts, you know, BDS being one of them and other, other kinds of boycotts. And I just think you really have to really strategically, first of all, pick your battles. And then second, um, there's a, just in this era, which there wasn't, I mean, I don't know i should probably know this but i don't know in the martin luther king era where there are counter boycotts of blue states and things like that but i know in this era with social media and everything like that the strategy of boycott is very easily countered um, by boycotting bud light or boycotting new york um or boycotting um any kind of blue state thing and so for these reasons you can hear in my voice, I'm concerned about this as a strategy. Um, just because it might not have the effect that it that it seems like it would have, even though it make it makes a lot of emotional sense. Um, but um what would a massive right wing boycott of New York look like or something like that?
3: I would love it. I would yeah. love it. Yeah. Stay the fuck away. <laughs> you know, it would make Times Square so much more, um, uh, a bit, uh, like, easy to easy yeah, to manage yeah. okay, and walk through. Okay, maybe that was like, the successful. So I'm like, stay example. away. We're, we, we spend enough money and do enough thing as New Yorkers here <laughs> to sustain New York. Um, but no, let's, I mean, let's unpack the Twitter example, right? Because I think that this is one that people, much like us, um, people like us who use Twitter for work, use Twitter to amplify um, our our work and messages of our colleagues and whether or not to stay on, right? And I think that each of us vacillate between I'm going to leave, this place is a cesspool, I'm going to stay, I'm going to fight. And I honestly, Jonathan, for me, it comes down to self-care, right? Where I s- announced this earlier this week, that I'm going to take a break from Twitter for the month of June. I don't feel like being um, being like uh, lauded with anti LGBT, anti black, like just anti equality, justice, all of these things in the month of June, which is Pride Month as a black queer woman. You will see me go on there and post, but will I stay and like be in conversation with folks no I'm not going to do that because my emotional well-being deserves a break. And I think that what we are finding is that more people are finding themselves not just abandoning the platform altogether, but taking longer breaks from the platform because it's not it do, it, it, it doesn't have the same utility it did, sure. right? I mean, you talk to me about this about, you know, I don't understand this tweet has, you know, 50 retweets and 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 a 6 months ago it would have had 150 retweets right and you know and i also know the issue with leaving the platform in that way and the algorithms that are already working against you but again it's like how long can you stay in a space and in a place that is incredibly hostile that is incredibly um violent um and think that you are actually doing something good to move the needle forward
4: right and and to be clear i mean self care should come first for sure and my concern is not to dictate i honestly don't have an answer for this i don't know um you know as i said before like my concern is that we do so much stepping back and then w- what's our strategy for the 2024 election like when we really need to now there's no doubt there's no doubt that the algorithms of twitter have been turned against us um this you know if you're a liberal on twitter (laughs) you see it happen um and um and and that the platform is monetizing um Tucker Carlson and the DeSantis announcement and all that kind of stuff. But but I guess the question is then what's our what's our counter strategy? And I don't know. I'm not a tech person. Um, is our counter strategy to stay in a place where we can argue back against people? But it's not just about arguing back against people. It's also, of course, the role of mobilizing, mobilizing those numbers of people. And there's just, for me, a cautionary tale in all this stuff with Twitter, because remember, we were all the people who were like, cheering when elon musk was like trying to back out and we're like you know don't you know you gotta buy it sucker and that kind of stuff we were probably mistaken about that um but also we you know we've we um there was a vacuum created which is on purpose that that's obviously his strategy but the vacuum was he lost a lot of liberals and he's gaining an awful lot of conservatives and so now the megaphone for this huge public square has been just seized by the other side and and I, I guess the question is like, what's the lesson in that? Um, and I, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm asking that as a question I really truly don't know. Um, um, but my concern is again, leading into 24, if our answer is an app with much smaller reach, which only speaks to people who already agree with us, who are already gonna vote for people we want them to do, we kind of lose what Twitter once want, once offered us. And And so um, I, I'm. I'm not sure. I mean, I. I, I go back and forth on this. learn more at meaningfulbeauty.com
3: You know, in all honesty, and I've said this before, I believe that people are going to do what they have always done throughout the history of organizing, which is you cannot just rely on social media platforms that you do not own, right? To be to be those unless they were unless Congress were to have turned Facebook and Twitter into a public utility, right, and then have the power over it in the way that they could have, you as an organizer cannot just rely on tools that you don't own, right, in order in order to fight the oppressor. That just doesn't make any sense. And so you're going to have to do what folks were doing in Georgia, what folks did in Alabama, what folks did in Wisconsin is use the original organizing tools which is of gathering people together right which is of knocking on doors and going to town halls and creating those opportunities for people to connect in real life because it's harder to uh threaten somebody's life and curse them out face to face than it is on you know on these social media apps and so You know, I think that it is a both and I think that it is lazy to solely rely on social media platforms that you don't own in order to get your message out. It's why the rest of us have had to diversify. Okay, well, we used to use Facebook and then Facebook, you know, is not that is not that tool. And then it was then it's Instagram and then it was Vine and then it was this and then it was that. It's like there is a level of adaptability. But I think that the lesson here is that you cannot get too comfortable in places that you do not own
4: yeah for sure, so maybe we need to own more stuff, right I mm-hmm. mean so I mean that maybe that's the lesson is like you know we should have bought twitter um you know i but I, but I mean I think that's that's fair is like how can we own more stuff? I think that's exactly right um I think there are two caveats to that that I'll just throw in. number one is it's not just about amplifying your message, it's also what's the validity of the stuff you're hearing like is the are the right wing boycotts Working now, or are they just being amplified by social media? It's hard to know. Um, all, all these other stories: Is DeSantis a real candidate, or is he just being boosted now by Twitter? Um, and so, it's not just about your own message. It's like what what else is being amplified beyond, you know, what's real and what's being amplified by social media. So there's a there's a kind of way of listening mm-hmm. that, that that you have to do also, not just about your own message. Um, and then second is. I do think there's something, and I say this with a heavy heart um, because I just want to be honest. I love Bud Light. Bud Light has been there for me at times in my life. Bud Light never wanted to hurt anybody. It just wanted to make everybody happy. Um, Bud Light is like boycotting like your family pet, like, um, but, but the right wing boycotted Bud Light over, I mean, the idiocy of that boycott is, should be stated, right? Which is that advertising is targeted. That's how advertising works. So different communities get advertised to by influencers who matter to them. And so if there's a trans activist who has 2 million followers, the trans community is going to be seeing ads from them. But the people who are doing country music in rural Georgia are not going to be seeing the trans activists. They're going to be seeing a country music star and stuff like that. Like advertising is targeted toward your community. So this idea that like trans stuff was being shoved down people's throats is not how advertising works but that being aside um i do think there's something important about this bud light boycott which is it did actually have an effect beyond what, uh, what anybody thought and and i so i think you know the interesting thing for me is that that's usually a strategy of the left these kind of boycotts and protests and i bet we see more of this on the I right I mean
3: but we've se- we've seen it i mean this is this is yeah. their boycotts look like bands Right. Like their boycotts Mm -hmm. look like, oh, one parent in Miami-Dade County has said that they don't uh, they don't like a poem of of a Pulitzer Prize winner. And so that poem is now taken. Right. right? Uh, Amanda Gorman's poem that was read at inauguration is now taken out of an elementary school. It look they have been like this is not new. None of this is new right? It is It is not, it, boycotts are not employed by one side or the other. It is effective on, based on the amount of public pressure and or acceptance. You just saw the Dodgers turn around after being pressured by to disinvite a LGBTQ uh, com, uh, organization from like, I guess their parade or their game or like whatever. And now they were pressured by the right to do that. Then there was all of this blowback, and now they have reinvited the people, right? Because again, the public the public pressure on the right side of history outweighed the detractors. You know, there was somebody that put up and said, "You know when you go back in time, how 30 percent of the country was for segregation, was against integration, was for like, you know, didn't care about the assassination of MLK, was for you know, uh, was against women voting, like it's always 30%. And so I think that sometimes we get caught up in what we are currently facing and not really understanding the historical context of it as a way to be our guide, not just like our woe is me. Yeah, it fucking sucks where we are. But like, I, we cannot Woe is me, ourselves, about all the ways in which they're employing the same tactics they've been employing since people have tried to get their rights right from the hands of slave owners.
4: And I, I'll admit, like, I'm certainly probably playing the role of the white straight man this morning. Um, you know, <laughs> if, um, I, do you I, play I,
3: a different role?
4: I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm like, remember Ed McMahon, like in the old days, like, you know, he would just be like, throwing the stuff in. So I'm gladly Ed McMahon this morning. I, I accept that. But I will say, I think there was something about this corporate boycott, this Bud Light boycott that was different for me, at least than a band. I crew through with a band, a band, a band. Like there was a great story in the um, poster times yesterday about how, yeah. um, like 90% of all the social media posts about the book bans were coming from like 12 accounts, right? That were amplified accounts. So that's a place where social media, we can see like everybody wasn't for a book ban. Most people aren't for a book, aren't for a book ban, but these 12 accounts like amplified it. And so the question is, how do you counter that strategy, mm-hmm. right? How, and so it's really, I think, what's our counter strategy when that kind of stuff happens. But I do think there was something about this, I I will say, I do think there was something about this Bud Light Band, whether or not it goes anywhere, um, that was different from a band in that it mobilized a bunch of people to turn on something that was seen as like an everyday part of their life. Like light beer is, I don't know, I play a lot of sports. Light beer is like, it's like second to like putting on your shoes for a lot of people as far as how important it is in sports. And so the idea that they could kind of get everybody to participate in this, I think Think is something that will get corporate America to pay attention, maybe in a different way, or maybe not. Um, but, 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 but I, 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 but, but so I just want to say that I think there are two strategies that are different, but they kind of all link back to our bigger question, which you started with, which is kind of, so what do we make of Florida? Well, of course, what's happening in Florida is horrific. Um, it's it's important that people take a stand. Um, this band is important for having conversations of course there are a lot of people who are impacted by what's happening in Florida who are not white <laughs> and 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 it's terrifying what's happening and so i'd be curious to see how this plays out i think it's important they did it of course i support it um the danger of boycotts i've seen like having i know the BDS boycott really well um And it was like a very important and noble cause and the the unintended effect, or maybe the intended effect of what happened in BDS is that there were a lot of anti-Zionist pro-Palestinian Israelis um, and uh, uh, Israelis of Arab descent who were who were also affected by this ban? they got like isolated from international communities. And so I think that these bands, it's just important to also support communities of color in Florida who live mm-hmm. there. And, mm-hmm. and, and yep. I think that's the lesson of other bands is if this is going to happen, I think it, it shouldn't just be like, we're going to not go and never visit Florida. It's also like, how can we support Latino African-American liberal, all the, <laughs> all the communities that are being oppressed, um, Disneyland. But I,
3: I think to your point, that is totally right, is that it's not enough not to, it's not enough to just say, I'm not going to go to this place, right? Because there are people that do have to go to that place for work for different reasons. But it's the the other side is, how are you helping those that cannot flee, right? Those that are actually on the ground and fighting Support their efforts in their internal fight. And I think that that is the counterbalance, right? It is like, yes, I don't want to give money to this state, but if I'm going to actually want to send a message that I want to help the fundraising for quality Florida, for the NAACP chapter in Florida, for you know uh, undocumented immigrant workers in Florida, like and, politicians,
4: I- and politicians and politicians and how are how are, how are up we
3: to this? doing that? Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So I think that has to be because I mean it's it's so weird to like boycott in this day and age boycott states in your own country it's like uh, how the hell do we get here it's really depressing but i just think that in a way it, it also leads to a doubling down i mean there are a lot of important people fighting the fight from nikki fried on down still and yep. all these people who really need help so i just think checking out on florida now i would love at Disneyland, Times Square, like you know, they're if they're not going to do that, like come on here to Midtown, trying
3: to make more traffic and more like I love congestion. it. We need more Disneyland people. Disneyland, Times Square, Lord, we need more people.
4: You know, what we no. would serve at Disneyland, Times Square, Bud Light, and co- everybody come here. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I New York needs revenue, man. New York needs people. We've lost way too many people. Um, for the pandemic. And so, yeah, come here, Mickey mouse. And, um, but, but, but again, I just think, I just think you it's, it's easy to just say, Oh, I'm not supporting that. And it's just right. so important to really, it's gotta be, I don't know, it's time A for both liber- and both and it's time for liberals to like be capitalists right now, honestly. And, and like, how can we invest in things? Like we, we just cannot, we're, we're, you know, how, how can we meaningfully, meaningfully, meaningfully support people in florida and now people in every place else that i mean we can talk next week about what's happening in tennessee since all Mm -hmm. the stuff happened but you know we there was a lot of attention in tennessee and now much worse stuff is happening in tennessee um people in texas need support so it's just you know it's we can't there was a fantasy before that we could just say oh all the stuff in the south is happening down there but what's happening in the south is happening everywhere and so it's really like um i mean thankfully that did you see that Ten Commandments bill in Texas that they were going to have to hang a Ten Commandments? In yeah, at the schools. House? Yeah. And I was excited because I have a poster from Mel Brooks' History of the World. of He did the Fifteen Commandments. It was hilarious when I was a kid. I have a poster of Mel Brooks with the Fifteen Commandments. Amazing. And I was going to hang that. but But I just think right now is a time to think, like, how can we invest? How can we own things? How can we create a counterbalance to really what's happening right now, which is that these platforms are are turning against us.
3: Let's remember that for next week we'll talk about the capitalistic uh um resistance and what that actually what that actually can look like. Jonathan, as always, friend, thank you so much for making the time for Woke AF and these really important conversations that I know people are having uh with themselves, with their friends, with their colleagues. Um, and it's important that we have them on Woke AF. So we
4: appreciate you. Take care, everybody.